Caucus Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Another failed vote. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Friday, September 22nd, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. House Republicans have again missed an opportunity to fund the government. GOP holdouts blocked a vote to advance a spending bill. A bus carrying New York high school band members has crashed en route to a music event. The band director and another adult were killed. Today's the day that the United Auto Workers president has threatened to call for more factory walkouts if progress is not made on contract talks. And should your spouse be be your best friend when you know do you need other friends should somebody else be your best friend and your spouse is your spouse and everything else that a spouse is and found some interesting studies that look into life satisfaction and happiness people who are married or together are generally happier than people who aren't Claire Ensbury at the Wall Street Journal on how being married to your best friend can lead to greater happiness but also be a burden Two adults are dead and dozens of others injured after a bus carrying high school band members tumbled down an embankment on a highway north of New York City. The commercial bus was carrying 40 students from Farmingdale High School on Long Island and four adults. It happened yesterday afternoon on Interstate 84 in the town of Wauwayanda in Orange County. They were headed to Greeley, Pennsylvania to a music event for band camp. Police identified the two people who lost their lives as 43-year-old Gina Pelletier, the marching band director, and 77-year-old Beatrice Ferrari. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, whose jurisdiction includes Farmingdale High School. Together, they had a weekend planned of fun and enjoying their musicianship. And unfortunately... The day ended in tragedy. Authorities say preliminary information indicates a failure of a front tire may have been a contributing factor. There were several serious injuries, including five critical. The injured were taken to six area hospitals. House Republicans have again blocked a vote to advance one of the 11 spending bills that have yet to pass the chamber. Following the latest vote, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy sent lawmakers home after GOP holdouts derailed his latest effort to fund the federal government. The setback increased the odds of a partial government shutdown at the end of the month. Republican Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. If he can't get us through this, whoever's going to come in after him is going to have a hard time. House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries. We're not paying a ransom note so you can jam your extreme ideology down the throats of the American people and hurt everyday Americans. We never have and we never will. The Wall Street Journal says it also underscored how Mr. McCarthy's hold on the conference has only grown weaker since he won the gavel back in January. The vote to open debate on a defense bill failed the day after Mr. McCarthy had predicted that Republicans would pass the rule needed to advance the defense appropriations bill. Efforts to pass a short-term funding bill have also stalled. Performative politics is what the GOP rank and file have come to expect from their most strident colleagues these days. With a shutdown looming and Speaker McCarthy's speakership potentially on the table, House Republicans are grappling with many of the same forces that have plagued their narrow majority all year. Unresolved fiscal politics, skewed incentives for attention-seeking murky policy goals, and margins thin enough that a few truculent members can grind proceedings to a halt. So says Michael Warren, senior editor at The Dispatch. Mike, how do you see it? 
Well, Gordon, I think uh, we're headed for a government shutdown and House Republicans don't seem to be able to muster enough votes. Remember, they've got a pretty narrow majority uh, that they're working with anyway. It's really about four seats now. We just had a recent Republican House member resign their seat, so it's a four-seat majority. Uh, and there are is a small number of Republican folks on the right, uh, sort of the far right, uh, who are uninterested in uh, voting for what is called this continuing resolution to continue funding the government. Uh, they don't want it. They don't like it. Uh, they want to see bigger cuts. And, uh, and, and what you're seeing here is a real divide even among sort of the far right freedom, conservative populist freedom caucus. Uh, some members of that freedom caucus uh, brokering a potential deal that they thought could get Republican support throughout the conference. Uh, but these holdouts uh, also from the freedom caucus uh, are saying no and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is sort of throwing up his hand saying, well, I guess we won't have a vote then and and we'll see what happens next. But it's a, it's a lot more chaos to come. All right. So Florida Congressman Matt Gates among the objectors here, his his beef is what he wants more spending cuts uh, and he wants particularly spending cuts on uh, a couple of his pet issues. He wants Jack Smith, the special counsel at the Department of Justice, essentially to be defunded. Not quite sure how that would work in uh, practical purposes, but that's one of his points. He also says, uh, he told me yesterday, I'm also not for continuing the Ukraine policies negotiated by Nancy between Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. This is a big sticking point uh, with these group of holdouts. They, they really uh, want cuts to American aid to Ukraine. Uh, they're making a big push about this. This is something actually a lot more Republicans in the House uh, are interested in, but it's one of the points that that Matt Gates uh, and others are making. There's also a sort of procedural issue here, Gordon. Uh, Gates and the other holdouts, they want votes on individual appropriations bills, not this continuing resolution, which is essentially a, a way of saying, let's keep the spending going yeah. at the levels, cut a little bit here, add a little bit there. Um, they want sort of formal, uh, regular order on uh, spending bills. The irony here is that you just saw this this week. There was an effort to get a defense appropriations bill through, and many of the same people who are saying, we want regular order, are then objecting to the essentially to the procedural efforts to get those appropriations bills passed. So a lot of frustration from Republicans who are looking at this faction within their conference and saying, what is it that you want? You you want regular order, but then you oppose the bills passing along regular order. It's it's a real nightmare for for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. We're speaking with Michael Warren, senior editor at The Dispatch, a digital media company. He's written a piece called House Republicans Saddle Up for More Chaos. So what's behind this here, Michael? <laughs> it's a good question. A lot of uh, Republican colleagues think there is an effort here to essentially get rid of Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Matt Gates, again, kind of the star of these holdout uh, Republicans, uh, has made it pretty clear he wants Kevin McCarthy to go. And, and part of the deal in getting McCarthy the speakership, you may remember back in January, there were about a gazillion votes uh, to finally get McCarthy over mm -hmm. the line and this narrow majority. Um, part of the deal was essentially 
any Republican, really any member, but a Republican member in the majority uh, can make a motion to vacate the chair, essentially to say, McCarthy, your speaker, no more. Why doesn't he um, just do it the then? Why, why, why keep threatening it? Why doesn't somebody like Matt Gates just do it? Uh, well, he very well may. Uh, the question is, will he have enough uh, sort of political power to do so? And it's it's a big deal to do that. And I think the question for Republicans is, if not Kevin McCarthy, then who? Yeah. Um, and even for someone like Matt Gates, I think it's sort of pulling the trigger on that uh, is is a causes a whole lot more sort of a, a domino effect uh, that that even Gates is maybe a little uh, reticent to actually do. But he seems to be getting closer every single day. All right. So obviously, Republicans run the risk here of taking all the blame if and when there's a government shutdown. How does that factor into their calculations here? Well, you have a lot of, uh, and there's about 18 House Republicans uh, who uh, come from districts that Biden won, Joe Biden won in 2020. They are very attuned to uh, sort of being blamed for government shutdown, being blamed for Republicans in the House not being able to govern. Um, they are really worried uh, about a shutdown uh, uh, really helping uh, their Democratic opponents in the next election. Thanks, Mike. Michael Warren, senior editor at The Dispatch. Cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. Remember that? But getting older, I had to stay away from all that sugar and empty carbs. Now there's Magic Spoon, a cereal with all our childhood favorite flavors, but high in protein and with less sugar. Their variety pack of four flavors includes cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs with only 140 calories per serving. It's high in protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. I love that cocoa flavor and drinking that chocolatey milk at the end. Go to magicspoon.com slash morning to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code morning at checkout to save five bucks off your order. Magic Spoon is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Magicspoon.com slash morning and use the code morning to get $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Magicspoon.com slash morning. Glad you could be with us. Welcome into Friday. President Biden is sending $325 million in additional aid to Ukraine. He announced the newest package during a visit to Washington by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Russia hopes once more to use winter as a weapon against the people of Ukraine. But as I discussed with President Zelensky, the people of Ukraine are steeled for this struggle ahead. And the United States is going to continue to stand with you. Mr. Zelensky's visit comes at a crucial moment for Ukraine as it seeks to shore up support and secure additional funding for its counteroffensive against Russia. I want you all to know that America has saved millions of Ukrainian lives. Of note, Republican opposition for additional aid for Kyiv has been mounting. In a letter to the Biden administration yesterday, 29 Republicans voiced their opposition to the funding. Meanwhile, Russia launched massive strikes against Ukraine yesterday ahead of Mr. Zelensky's visit to Washington. Also of note, the president has not yet approved plans to send long-range missiles, which Mr. Zelensky says could make a significant difference. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has thrown in the towel on further votes this week, sending lawmakers home after Republican holdouts derailed his latest effort to advance legislation funding the federal government. 
Talks continued late Thursday, but the setback further dimmed hopes that Congress could pass measures to avoid a partial government shutdown at the end of the month, and it underscores how McCarthy's hold on the conference has only grown weaker since he won the gavel in January after 15 grueling rounds of voting. Republican Senator Kevin Creamer of North Dakota. I think it's really important that they get something that they can send over to us, regardless of what it might look like. The collapse of a procedural motion to advance the $826 billion defense appropriations bill came days after another failed vote on the same bill. Number two. A charter bus carrying high school students to a band camp veered off a New York highway and tumbled down an embankment Thursday, killing two adults and seriously injuring five others. The bus was one of six in a caravan, taking the marching band from Farmingdale High School on Long Island to a camp in northeastern Pennsylvania. Richard Mazone is with the New York State Police. Preliminary information indicates a failure of a front tire may have been a contributing factor to this accident. The two adults who died were the high school's band director and a retired teacher. Number three. The Biden administration wants to remove medical debt completely from consumer credit reports. So the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau outlined proposed rules to keep unpaid medical bills from affecting patients' credit scores. The CFPB proposal would prohibit consumer reporting companies such as Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian from including medical debt and collection information on consumer credit reports. Well, it's a growing trend. Adult children living with mom and dad. According to a new Harris poll, 45% of people ages 18 to 29 are living at home with their families, the highest figure since the 1940s. More than 60% of Gen Zers and millennials report moving back home in the past two years, often because of financial challenges. Let's hope they're doing their part when it comes to things like chores and running errands. Spoken from someone who may be in this situation. (laughs) Maybe soon. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday. Being married to your best friend can lead to happier marriages and greater life satisfaction. It can also be a burden. Here's Claire Ansbury, columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Claire, what are we learning? Basically, the idea of your spouse being a best friend is something that just really seems to be more of a, um, a, a goal for couples, younger couples getting married. Um, you, you know, you see it on social media, I'm marrying my best friend, etc. And so the idea of, is that a good thing or not? Um, when you know do you need other friends should somebody else be your best friend and your spouse is your spouse and everything else that a spouse is so that's what i was looking at and found some interesting studies that looked into life satisfaction and happiness and um you know it's people who are married or together are generally happier than people who aren't or have been divorced and so then you have marriage and status and and happiness and you also have friendships and happiness and so how how does that if you're married to your best friend does that make you happier in a marriage Mm -hmm. or not um and what it (laughs) found was that people who are married to their best friends they're more satisfied um than those who are not you did have a a wife in the story who said something like "I, i wish my husband had more friends yeah and well interestingly um Fewer women considered their husbands as a best friend than men. men. More men consider their wives as best friends. And, you know, women have um, tend to have richer and deeper and bigger social networks than men. 
and so the the women are feeling like you know geez i wish he had somebody to do something with yeah. so it's not all, not all on me um and you know a couple of the husbands that i spoke with said that they really rely on their their wives to uh connect them with friends to sort of create you know make these social dates and the um you know just keep them in in sort of a social circle yeah it's fascinating. We're speaking with Claire Ensbury, columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Her piece is called, Should Your Spouse Be Your Best Friend? Um, here's another interesting one, too, that you touched on a little bit. Do you start out as best friends and then get married? Or do you get married and then evolve and develop into best friends? Well, I had, I had examples of people who said they were both. Um, but interest. Uh, Several people said, look, you, you know, this. my spouse is my best friend. They've been married for a couple of decades and said, um, you know, you can't really, when you get married, you know, I was just in love. I was smitten. Um, uh, but I really didn't know that person at the time. You know, when you've known somebody for two years, are they really your best friend? Do you know them well enough? Or do you need to go through hard times? I mean, one guy... One, one man and woman who really say their spouses are their best friends, and they really don't have friend, a lot of friends outside their marriage, and they're okay with that. Mm. Um, and But he said, you know, we had to prove that to each other. Um, they had also both been in relationships where they were betrayed, and so they had a hard time trusting anybody. So, so for them, the idea of proving themselves to each other um, by going through difficult times is what made them best friends. Thanks, Claire. Claire Ensbury, columnist at The Wall Street Journal, 30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? No wonder we shower more lately. The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and ailments so gross it's hard to believe. Those are fears, though, you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. My wife and I have them. We love them. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleeping cool all summer and warm all winter. Visit TryMiracle.com slash Gordon to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle Made is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TryMiracle.com slash Gordon. Miracle Made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. TryMiracle.com slash Gordon. The news without the nonsense. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday, September 22. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Still no funding for the government ahead of next Saturday's deadline. The number of illegals arrested at the southern border has approached record levels this month. Two adults killed when a bus full of high school band members from New York crashed on its way to a music event. President Biden announces $325 million more in aid for Ukraine, 49ers over the Giants in Thursday night football, and the little girl with a big find in Crater of Diamonds State Park. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Discover. Discover credit cards do something awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you earned doubled. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. From Hollywood 
To the auto industry, worker strikes have been making headlines across the country. While employee rights and pay remain at the center of these strikes, they also impact employers and the workplace environment. And what about the employees who didn't want to go on strike? Here's David Barron, labor and employment attorney with Cozen O'Connor. David, they're usually about pay and benefits. Sure, it can be any of those things. I mean, there's there's legalities here. I mean, uh, unions can go on strike because they want to achieve you know better conditions, wages, things like that at the table. Unions can also go on strike because they're complaining about, for example, unfair labor practices or some sort of mistreatment. So it could be you know one of those things, all of those things. Obviously, each case is different. Right. All right. So how's the workplace environment impacted sometimes? Well, you know, strikes are tough, right? Because people have to make a decision as to whether they're going to honor the strike. You know, some some uh, depends on the state, right? Some states are right-to-work states, so not everybody is necessarily required to be a member of the union. And you know, crossing a picket line is never an easy thing. Uh, creates division in the workplace, and then of course there's the impact of the strike on the company, on the customers, on vendors, and everybody associated with that company. For uh, I think one of the more recent auto workers strikes it was like 40 days how do people pay their bills yeah good question so typically unions have strike funds and um, do assist the strikers you know during the periods when they're on strike Um, typically that's linked to some sort of participation in the strike you know picket line duty and those kinds of things you have to burn up vacation days and personal days to go on strike or like how does that work (laughs) Typically, no, because it's not. It, it wouldn't qualify, right? I mean, this is not. A, this is not a a vacation or something that's sanctioned by the employer. It's 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 a strike. So, you know, we get into all the complicated legalities. I mean, there are situations where employers can actually replace hire replacements for employees that are on strike. So, it, you know, it, it can get messy and it can get ugly. Um, no one ever hopes it does that, right? We hope you know um, things are resolved quickly in most cases, but but it can get protracted and and uh, people can you know, temporarily or even in some cases permanently lose their jobs. Speaking with David Barron, he is a labor and employment attorney with Cozen O'Connor, and we're talking about the impact of strikes on workers. What about those who don't want to be on strike and say, I don't know, are desperate for a paycheck or whatever the reason might be? Right. So, so employees are not required to strike, right? Even if the union is on strike, it's up to each individual employee whether they, in fact, strike themselves, that's a very difficult decision, as you can imagine, um, when your coworkers are on strike and there's lots of pressure to, to strike. But, um, you know, each employee makes up their own minds. Some employers don't operate during a strike. They simply shut down. M- many employers continue to operate with management, for example. Um, but, but also some employers continue to operate with, you know, what are called crossovers or replacement workers. So, again, every case is different, but employees are not necessarily, no one can make you strike, and it, it's an individual decision for each employee and their families. By the same token, could the company come along and say, uh, after day two, you're fired if you strike? Yeah, typically no. You, you can't fire employees. That would be illegal. But th- there are situations where an employer can either temporarily or permanently replace, which is, again, a little bit different. It's, it's They're not terminated, but but you know, there would be different issues with respect to their right to reinstatement. Are there legal, I I guess there are, but what are some legal ramifications of a strike? Um, Well, I mean, from a a legal standpoint, it's a a weapon that the union has to put pressure on the employer, right? It's it's a way to to get something at the bargaining table or to compel the the employer to do something that the union wants. You know, it's, it's, if it's regarding an unfair labor practice, if the employer is breaking the law and that's the reason the, the union is going on strike, then um, you know that could have impact at the National Labor Relations Board or in court or wherever the disputes played out. 
I guess the, the reasons we have strikes is because they work in, in some way, shape, or form. Right. I mean, again, it's, 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 uh, it's leverage, right? I mean, right now, uh, you know, employees are, are probably enjoying a period of time where they've had more leverage than in a long time. And there, there's a labor shortage. Um, inflation is, is very high, and employees, you know, understandably want higher wages and better benefits. And they have the power to do that. And um, that's why we're seeing, you know, unions making sort of a comeback, and we're seeing, you know, more strikes than we've had in a long, long time. Thanks, David. David Barron, Labor and Employment Attorney with Cozen O'Connor. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, if you're listening to this show, chances are you're up early in the morning and probably didn't get enough sleep last night. And even if you did, maybe you got seven or eight hours tops. So it might interest you to know that there's someone out there who's making $10 million this year who gets around 13 to 14 hours of sleep a night. His name is Yusei Kikuchi, and he's a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Kikuchi was forced to leave a start early this week with cramps and he's blaming it on a lack of sleep. Kikuchi said that the night before his start he only got 11 hours of sleep instead of his usual 13 or 14. This revelation opened a lot of people's eyes including his own teammates who now won't stop peppering the pitcher with questions about how he can possibly sleep that much. Kikuchi has no big secrets saying that if you simply close your eyes you should be able to sleep. He also said it typically takes him only five minutes to nod off and he begins his bedtime routine with 10 minutes of meditation. He also clarified that he doesn't sleep 14 hours every night, just the nights before he pitches. Other days, he's happy to settle for 8, 9, or 10 hours. Oh my goodness. Settle for 8, 9, or 10. Settle for 8, 9, or you 10. You know what I would give for 8 hours of sleep during the week? I can't remember the last time that's happened. I, I don't I don't know when I've... <laughs> I don't know over the past 20-something years I've ever gotten 8 hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're Wow. Di- <laughs> We, we just don't function that way. That's breathtaking. 14 hours on the night before he pitches. Yeah. So, I mean, you, again, you're only up for, you know, 10 hours that day. So you better get it all. Whatever you're doing, you better get it all in. I don't even have that amount of hours in a day if I wanted to sleep that long. Right, right. I, it's, not, it's not even available. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when, when your entire job is just to go on the mound for three hours and I, pitch, uh, yeah. you know, I guess you can build your life around that, right? That's incredible. I, I would think that... Even having slept eleven hours, that might cause cramping for some reason. Like he, <laughs> right. there wasn't enough time in the day to like get a proper meal or hydration right. or nutrition. Right. I would imagine waking up and having like back soreness or something, yeah. or just comes from yes. sleeping being in bed yes. for that long. Right. Wow. And uh, fans of Frank's today are screaming hot dog about the latest news coming from Oscar Mayer. The iconic hot hot dog shaped vehicle that spends the summers touring America will now be known again as the Wienermobile. This only four months after an ill-advised name change to Frankmobile. The company said the name change in May was meant to pay homage to the brand's 100% beef franks and their new recipe, but fans of the original name were not happy about it. The first Wienermobile was created in 1936 and it's gone through several iterations since then. Those who drive the Wienermobile around to promotional events are known as hot doggers. Perhaps the most famous hot dogger is former U.S. House Speaker Paul Ryan, who drove the Wienermobile one summer while in college. I do like that nickname. You're a hot dogger. Hot dogger. Yeah, Yeah, you and I talked about that. That was one of those sort of dream job situations you and I talked about perhaps uh, applying for, because you get paid pretty well Mm -hmm. to basically just uh, drive around the entire country, uh, you know, for a summer telling people about hot dogs. Not bad. What are you doing this summer? Um, I'm going to be 
a hot dogger. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? I get to drive the Wienermobile. I mean, there are certainly worse ways to, to spend your time, and, I think. And, and having to describe the, like what the Frankmobile is right. just seemed kind of lame. Yeah, right. Everybody yes. knows what the Wienermobile is. Right, right. The, because it was called the Wienermobile, that's yeah. probably why that's it became I mean. so famous. If it had been called the Frankmobile this whole time, no. we never would have been talking about it. Wouldn't pay nearly as much either <laughs> to drive it, probably. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. The information you need and the truth you demand. Start your day with America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. The new iPhone 15 goes on sale today. If you're buying one, keep in mind that whether your old device is still functional or no longer operating, it's important to dispose of the electronics properly since they contain toxic substances like lead, mercury, and cadmium. If you have one to get rid of, Fox News has steps you can take to safely recycle unwanted tech. Number one, you'll have to remove all of your data from the old device to a device you're keeping or to an external hard drive. For example, if you're getting rid of an old iPhone but want to keep the pictures, you'll need to plug it into a computer. Number two, perhaps the easiest way to recycle a device is by trading it in. Many phone carriers offer trade-in options when buying a new phone. Number three, you can recycle it. Most chain electronic stores have recycling programs of their own. Best Buy has one. Number four, you can donate it. A charity called Cell Phones for Soldiers was established back in 2004. The program collects old devices and uses the proceeds to purchase international calling cards for troops. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Volodymyr Zelensky got the pomp and circumstance of a close ally visiting Washington, but meetings with U.S. leaders couldn't mask the new reality. The Ukraine's war with Russia is proving a tougher sell to his Western backers. The Ukrainian president thanked the U.S. for its support as a group of Republican lawmakers question how much military aid the U.S. can give to Ukraine. There is not a soul in Ukraine that does not feel gratitude to you. America. President Biden hasn't yet approved plans to send long-range missiles, which Zelensky says could make a significant difference in the slow-moving counteroffensive. Number two. President Biden says the White House will establish a first-of-its-kind Office of Gun Violence Prevention. The new office will be overseen by Vice President Kamala Harris and led by Stephanie Feldman, a longtime policy advisor to Biden on gun issues. Biden says the office will push for continued gun reform. Now we have to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. I did it once as a senator. We'll do it again. Advocacy groups have been pushing Biden for years to designate an office to coordinate gun violence prevention measures across the federal government. Number three. The UAW is threatening to expand its strike today against GM Ford and Stellantis. Analysts say if the strike expands to larger plants with more workers and key products, it's a sign the union is unhappy and looking to inflict more financial pain on the automakers. Facilities such as GM's Fort Wayne, Indiana plant that makes Chevrolet Silverados is a key one to watch. So is Delantis's Sterling Heights assembly plant in Michigan, which builds Dodge Ram trucks. A storm churning in waters off the eastern coast has increased to tropical storm strength and is forecast to reach the North Carolina coast today. A storm surge between three and five feet is expected. Well, if you feel as if your work-life balance is out of whack, you have lots of company. According to a new HP Incorporated study of more than 15,000 people in 12 countries, 
Only 27% say they have a healthy relationship with work. 55% of unhappy workers struggle with self-worth and mental health. 59% are too drained to pursue personal passions. And 62% struggle to maintain healthy routines. Yikes. Those are alarming numbers. Thank you, Jen. A 70-year-old girl celebrating her birthday with a hike in Crater of Diamonds State Park in Arkansas has made quite a find, a 2.95-carat diamond. About the size of a green pea, golden brown in color, and without a single broken facet. Aspen Brown and her father Luther went to the park for her birthday several weeks after construction workers had dug out a 150-foot-long trench for infrastructure, which the park superintendent said probably brought several tons of diamond-bearing material to the surface. It's the second-largest diamond found in the park this year and was found close to where a 3.72-carat diamond was discovered four years ago. The birthday girl decided to name the rock the Aspen Diamond. A hundred million years ago, a hot spot for forging diamonds deep in the Earth's mantle was forced to the surface through volcano activity. The Smithsonian Institute says precious stones found in the park include garnet, jasper, quartz, amethyst, and agate, as well as diamonds in three colors, yellow, brown, and white. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.